ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 106, Groundwork. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Hi, everybody. So we're here today to talk to you about how to lay the groundwork for your online business. So whether you're just starting out, whether this is just a nugget of an idea at this point, or whether you're restarting on, maybe you tried a business and it didn't work out and you're contemplating starting up again, this is the podcast for you. And this episode was really inspired, Sandy, by a conversation that you and I had together after hearing from some prospective clients who've, who've come into our inbox. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also from a few of our Soulful MBA, some of our paid community are experiencing this. So I think we just wanted to address it, you know, thoroughly on this podcast. So what I wanted to talk about is this idea of when you decide or you commit to this idea that you are going to build something on the internet, people kind of turn inward and sit in their office and they start creating, which they should. That is all that they tend to focus on. So they are worried about their video and their camera and their lighting and their mics and their content and their videos and their, you know, order and all this stuff. And then they, when it's done, they put it out there in the world and there's nobody to buy it. They launch it and they send one email to their list and they're they're really disappointed in their sales. And so I just wanted to have a conversation about how that's the wrong approach and give you guys some ideas of what you can do along the way while you are creating. And I don't mean to, you know, of course your creation is, this is what you're selling. This is what you're putting out there. This is the offer. And of course it has to be fantastic. And of course you have to pay attention to it, but there's also a And there you must do that and some of the marketing while you're in that mode of creation because you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed when the sales just aren't there after you've just spent, you know, so much time and so much effort to create this thing and then nobody wants it because nobody knows that it exists. So that is the problem. And that's what I want to tackle today. 
So I have a slightly different take on the problem or a complicated view of the problem because I think part of it is a lack of marketing. We can talk about how much time you should be spending on marketing with your new online business. But I think the other piece is that you're also doing what a lot of new business owners and startup founders do, which is creating your work in a vacuum without making sure that it's something that people want to pay for. And so I think that's a two-pronged problem. And it's tricky to get both of those things right, right? It's tricky to both make sure that you're building something to spec based on what your client base or customer base wants or student base wants. And it's also the other piece is making sure you're doing marketing really, really well, even before your thing is finished. And so both of those things I would say are equally important because if you're killer at marketing and you're really great at creating content, but you are not creating content that people want to pay for, then you're still going to have the same problem with which is lackluster sales. So let's talk about some ideas that can help you to make sure that you're investing your time wisely, that your new business is going to take off and earn some money for you, and that you won't be left sort of in a frustrated puddle of despair. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the first thing is just to get your your mind around that you always must be marketing yourself. You always, it never stops, it never ends. You're always talking about what you're doing, even if it's not a complete idea yet, or even if it's like not finished, or you're not really sure you are still talking to family members, friends to your existing client list about this idea of going on the internet. And that's where your point, Jenny comes in. It's like, I'm thinking about teaching online, what would you love to see me teach? Or what workshop is your favorite thing? Like, what would you be interested in? If I created for something, something online, what would that look like for you? So there is this sort of these parallel Um, purposes as you are in the early stages. Yeah, I think of this as a dialogue between you and your clients, like between you and your your students. This is a this is not a one-way street where you go and create something and then put it out and other people consume it. The product creation process, especially online, I think needs to be collaboratively driven. And part of this is because it's harder to just communicate something and make it appealing as, as, as a strictly digital product. If you're in a town or in a community and you want to buy the services of someone in that town, it's it's um, there's already a level of trust that's there because you know where that person lives or where that person works or whatever. And there's there's accountability and there's there's a level of trust that doesn't necessarily exist on the internet. And so you have to make sure that from day one, you're building that relationship and that collaborative process together with your with your audience or with your market or with your people. And then you know when it goes live that somebody is there to, yes. to purchase it. Yes. So that's that's the best feeling in the world when you know that you've created something that has been validated and that people are like, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. I can't wait for to, that to come out. I think that's that's the part I see missing is that we need to be creating more weightless and more like, st- you know, as you're creating whatever it is that you're updating this even small email list like you know, I did my first video today and it's on this and I can't wait to share it with you that you were like bringing them with you along the way, each step of your creation process so that they're like, oh my God, this sounds so great. This sounds so great. And it's a great way to remind them of what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. And then when you launch, bang, you've got people who are ready to purchase. 
Yeah, they've come along for the ride. They're part of the journey with you. They're invested in the process and they're invested in your success. And that is what any first group of customers is going to be. They're going to, like the first people who buy whatever it is you're creating, regardless of what kind of business, online or offline, your first customers are always going to be your friends and family. If you're a startup, your first investors are always going to be your, your friends and your family. That is the way the world works. That's why networking is so important. And that leads me to another thought, Sandy, on this topic, which is that we have a number of clients that have come to us without any email list. And what is your response to people who say, I don't have an email list. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, there's a lot of messaging around like the money's in the list and how important it is to have an email list. And that's absolutely true. But if you have no email list, it doesn't mean that you should not go ahead and start to plan and strategize on how you can have your first digital product. So most of the clients that we work with, they may not have an email list, but they certainly have a client base. Typically, they've been doing their work for a while. They have existing clients. And so you have a community around you. You have a network of people around you. You have your friends and your family. That is your email list right there in your your actual analog list, if you will. They're real people who are willing to support you. And so I think there's a different way to look at that. Failure doesn't mean uh, if you have nobody on your list, doesn't mean you're going to fail. It's just you have to rework how you a- approach your marketing and how you get the word out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your client roster is better than an email list. Like that's a you're going to have a higher rate of return from your existing client roster. Whether or not those people are shoved into ConvertKit or Mailchimp, it doesn't matter. No. Like it's better text people, email people. You know, when you pass them on the street stop and say hello and explain what you're doing. I mean, we have another client in Soul MBA that we're advising to go ahead and make flyers with little teardown strips in her in her town and put them up on telephone poles and in coffee shops. In fact, I think that that's, we'll talk more about this later, but I think that that's like this, that's like this missing, disappearing, yet highly effective <laughs> marketing tactic that people aren't using anymore because they think it's outdated when in fact it works really well. The The rate of return for those teardown sheets are, is, are quite high. And I think that being successful online, it's not like, we were talking about this too, Sandy. It's like we're talking about Namastream as a tool. Like Namastream, because you have a Namastream site or whatever other tool you're using, because you have a website or an, an online platform of some sort, doesn't mean that you have a business. Like we're operating in the background, like Squarespace and Namastream and whatever else you use is operating in the background. Like you are the star. You are the reason that people are consuming your content. You are, you're the business, right? Like we're not your business. We're the tool that's helping your business be more effective and more streamlined. So Seth Godin had a recent blog post where he was talking about social media. And I think this is really related. It's a parallel situation here where he was saying like, there's all, there are all these courses now and all these marketers that are talking about, you know, become an expert at Instagram or become an expert at Pinterest or whatever it is. And the, the point Seth says is, is not to like evangelize the tool itself. Like the tool is a medium, like your work, your voice, what you do in the world can be amplified by social media, but becoming like a social media star is not the point. Like you should be a star because of your work and your voice, right? And your impact on the world and on your community. And I think it's the same thing for an online teaching platform. Like Namaste 
stream does not make you a star. You're going to be a star because you're a star, right? And Omnistream helps you to make money by being really good at what you do because we we allow you to have a market that's the entire world that can use the internet instead of just the people that live in your neighborhood. And I think that that also gets lost. There's this weird get rich quick kind of attitude online. There's like a lot of pyramid schemey stuff like MLM kind of thinking. And the truth is, is that an online business is really no different than a brick and mortar business. It just it has isn't. lower overhead <laughs> like and slightly less visibility, right? Like that's the other thing is you, have the, ben- you have the benefit of way lower overhead and costs initially to, to participate. But then you have the disadvantage of having way less visibility because because you're, no one is going to find you, right? Like you, right. you you have to hustle for everyone. Like when I go to the farmer's market with an alchemy with my candles and my basalts and my kid and my husband and we're selling like body oils or whatever else we're selling that day, like I have an audience of hundreds or thousands of people that are going to walk by and buy just because they happen to walk by, they're going to buy what we're selling, right? But if I'm, it's the fall and I have no farmer's market in the fall here and I'm hiding in my house, like, you know, tinkering away at my life and businesses, you know, my sales are going to be way down because it's just the way the world works. Like nobody is seeing my stuff every day, right? There's not hundreds or thousands of people being exposed to my brand because I'm not actively doing that. And I think it's the same thing for you and your online business. Yeah, it's like if you were to start your, I don't know, a workshop, let's say, and you go create a brick and mortar business deep in the woods where nobody can see you and you never come out until that workshop is complete and you turn the open sign on and nobody's there because nobody knows that you exist. That's what it's like to build something online. And that's exactly what you're saying, Jenny. So I think that if you are in the woods building this workshop, you need to come out and like go to some networking group meetings, go to some conferences, attend workshops in the area and talk to people about what you're building in the deep woods so that when you are live, when you are open, that people know the path to find you, which is SEO, which we're not going to cover on this podcast, but we did another office hours a few weeks, months ago about SEO and our tips. You can go look uh, look for that. But those roads to that house in the woods are the SEO. So you really do need to understand that. But I don't know, sometimes I think like people just think there's magic that happens online that they'll just build it and people will find it and they'll just sell it. And I really think you need to go back to grassroots marketing, connecting with your immediate family, friends, join a networking group, get people behind you, get people excited about it. And that word of mouth will start to take off. And then you can start to really see things scale significantly. But you really do need to tap into that in-person relationship that you currently have, relationships. And then it becomes not in person, right? So even though we've been at this business of ours for years, we still get a significant number of our clients as as referrals from other clients or people we know, right? Like there, mm-hmm. we've done the work to build the roads in the woods so that we have good SEO for a cert- certain search terms that our software should rank for. But I would still, so we get people who randomly are searching for how to teach online, but we also have a significant number of new clients coming on because they've been referred by their friend or their teacher or their neighbor or you know, their studio owner, whatever, like that's how people find us typically. And so it's even though we're 
a software company. We are the most fundamentally digital experience company there is. We are still hustling in the old fashioned world of networking and referrals. And that is those clients are much better than random people because there's a level of trust. Like we don't have to prove ourselves as much to them because they know that their friend Catherine uses our platform and therefore they they've already gotten, you know, past some of those initial barriers or concerns with buying something on the internet. And so when you're starting to sell something on the internet, it is much better to have people coming to you as referrals because they're not going to be as skeptical about putting their credit card into that field on the screen. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. All of that is true, but as you are doing this work, you are collecting emails along the way. So I don't want that point to be lost that we, we do want you out hanging posters or going to networking groups or whatever it may be talking about it at Christmas parties, but you are still collecting the emails along the way. So whether that means, you know, you're writing their their email and name down and getting permission to add them to your email list, or you are giving them your business card and saying, I've got a free thing on my website. If you come over there, I'll, you can get this checklist or ebook or whatever it is. You're still doing that. But it's, you know, initially, I think it's based on face-to-face conversations. If you are, side note, expert side note here, if you are collecting people's names and emails on a piece of paper, make sure you save those pieces of paper if you're adding those people to your convert kit or your MailChimp or whatever, just for your own protection later on. There you go. Even though in, in like MailChimp, it says, did you have permission to add this person? And you have to check a box that says yes. Yeah. I like to have double permission. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're my business partner, Sandy? Yeah, those are the details I don't want to worry about. (laughs) So should we dive into the joy and hustle? Yeah, let's do joy and hustle. You've got the joy this week. Oh, okay. We have been waiting a long time to talk about this. Let me pull it up. So today's joy is a TED Talk called Six Ways Mushrooms Can Save the World. (laughs) It just seems so out of left field. You brought up this house in the woods analogy, and so that left me with a perfect segue to talk about my mushroom TED Talk. So this guy, Paul Stamets, is based in the Pacific Northwest where I live, not in my town, but he's he's a Northwesterner also, and he has been doing research on mycelium for decades, and in fact, he believes that there are certain properties of mushrooms that hold a lot of amazing benefits that humanity is greatly in need of. So everything from dealing with the loss of the honeybee populations to curing seemingly incurable diseases. He's working with a ton of researchers and scientists and academics on how mushrooms can um, or elements from mushrooms can be used in these like very beneficial ways. And so I just I know you're skeptical of this, Sandy, but I would really highly encourage you and all of our listeners to watch this TED Talk because it it gives me so much hope for humanity and the future of the world where I was seemingly feeling hopeless before. <laughs> okay, and our hustle is 
something really simple and really basic. And that is to go into Canva and just create a page with little tear-offs at the bottom and post whatever it is you're doing or selling at your coffee shop, at uh, community centers, at bulletin boards all over your neighborhood. And that may seem so not very digital, but it is incredibly, incredibly effective. And I think it's so simple, but it's I, I just want to get people back to basics, thinking about basic marketing principles to get the word out about what, what they're doing, whether it is in person or, or digital. I think the same principles apply. And it's really essentially free to do that. So when you're first starting out, it's the price of a piece of printer paper, right? And so from a marketing standpoint and a marketing budget, everyone should be doing this. Um, it's low hanging fruit. It's extremely, it can be extremely effective. And, um, and, and because not very many people are doing it anymore, you have like this leg up on other people. So please go print your little tear off advertisements and then report back to us and let us know how it went. Yeah, and people also just take photos, like just snap yeah, I a know, photo but, with their but, thing, right? But but, but the whenever I see is them, a, there's always some missing. Yeah, there are always a yeah, few it's missing. Worth doing. Some people want to just take the little paper. I don't know. Maybe they left their phone at home because they're trying to do a digital detox. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, who knows? That's true. That's true. Okay, awesome, great ideas, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy, and we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Bing, 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 bing,